Ahoy! I'm the calm, so known as Just Hunter. Hello there, I'm History of the Flash, but you can call me JD. And welcome to a Hero Story episode something. 90 94. Something. 94. We're on 94. A Hero Story is a podcast all about superhero comic books, TV shows, movies, gaming, you name it, we probably talk about it. We usually start our episodes of the week by going over all the DC and Marvel news of the week that have happened. After that, we go over the comics of the week. We usually, recently at least, haven't been talking about comics since they've been delayed due to quarantine, but they are back. Uh, so Kind of small week here and there. JD and I, we both didn't get the biggest shipment in due to us not knowing comics came out and uh, just our some of our stores just didn't have the specific issues. So the issues we are reviewing today are The Amazing Spider-Man number 43, The Flash number 753, and The Flash number 754. Other comics that came out, there was a new Justice League issue, there was a new Aquaman issue. We both didn't get those, unfortunately, so hopefully maybe next week we might talk about it briefly. But those are the three comics that we'll be focusing on, especially Flash, since it is two arcs, and they're actually both really good issues, I guess. Um, but first off, we'll go over the news of the week. Is there anything you want to add to that? No, no, I'm really excited to talk about two Flash issues, of course, being the Flash guy. But yeah, let's get back to the news. <laughs> you are the Flash guy. So, a lot of live action news, it seems, this week. Which makes sense due to the kind of the ripple effect of the Snyder Cup being announced, which we talked about last week on the podcast. So, a lot of EU news, if that is if we're still calling it that. Uh, a news that we've probably talked about, this is maybe the ninth time we've said, Henry Cavill is returning as Superman. Yeah, we say that a lot, and I feel like we've had this discussion like four weeks ago, but now it's reported by Deadline as opposed to DC Fan 98 who is maybe just your random Twitter account with the Vertify logo saying that he's returning. Rumors of him returning. Now, Deadline is an official news site. They have reported on everything that has turned out to be true. They don't talk about rumors ever, unless it's like an official thing. They were one of the first people mm-hmm. to announce, like, Tom Holland as Spider-Man, for example. The, this is an official site, an official announcement that Henry Cavill is returning as Superman. What are your thoughts? I'm extremely excited. I'm still kind of taking it with a grain of salt, but I do trust this more than, you know, like you said, random DC fan number 99. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, this is, this is definitely exciting. I mean, Henry is my favorite you know, movie Superman just based on, you know, looks and uh, just acting all around. I mean, I love Christopher Reeve, of course, but there's something about Henry that just feels so modern, so Superman. Yeah, And exactly. I love that. Uh, my, my favorite Superman of all time in live action, of course, is Tom Welling. But I think I always said that, like, Henry has the potential to, you know, do great things as Superman. And I really want to see more of him. I was, you know, I love Man of Steel. I love Batman versus Superman. I don't love Justice League so much, but I thought Henry actually had some really good scenes in Justice League. I did too. So, uh, so, so I think that you know this is this is great if we could get him for more movies. I found it interesting that they said it wasn't exactly for a Man of Steel two; it was for you know appearing other in, movies. In yeah, DC film here. They they talked about possibly being Shazam two, Black Adam, uh, or Aquaman, Aquaman two. Uh, I even heard Suicide Squad. I'm down for any of it. I could see a few ways it could work, except for Suicide Squad. I can't really see how that would work. Yeah, but, I think it was um, debunked, the Suicide Squad one, at least. Oh, okay. But, but I think Black Adam would be pretty cool, and I think The Rock would love it because he's a huge Superman fan. He always talks about it in interviews how like he wanted to play Superman but realized he can't. <laughs> um, so so it would be really cool. And I, and I think uh, Henry and The Rock would be a 
very jarring uh, matchup. You know, both huge guys, and uh, yeah, yeah. it would be very interesting. Playing powerful and really characters, really comic booky. They both have the same manager too. They have the exact same agent manager, so the same person is handling both of their roles. So she says where they both go for the most part, as far as accepting movie roles and whatnot. So I can definitely see it happening. When Henry posted on Instagram last week that the Snyder Cut was announced, his manager commented saying, this must mean exciting things for the future. Winky face. So Oh, I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, she was kind of teasing like uh, him returning to the Cape. Uh, Dwayne Johnson's Black Adam is definitely in the movie that I could see him in. However, I feel like he has a bigger chance as far as like making sense in Shazam 2, seeing as the character yeah. appeared at the end of that movie, I could see him playing a role in Shazam 2. And then maybe, assuming we get like a Shazam 3 where he fights uh, Black Adam, we have a team up of Shazam and Superman versus Black Adam. Uh, comicbook.com, which isn't the most reliable source, but they are talking about this news as well, who, which was reported by Deadline first. Uh, they said that Superman's role in the DCEU will be the sort of similar to the role of the Hulk in the MCU, where he appears in team-up movies and other movies as small roles or major roles, just not the main character or cameos of some sort, rather than getting a Man of Steel 2. Warner Brothers at the moment is not making Man of Steel 2, but if people like seeing Superman in these other movies, then they'll put a budget towards that movie. So... Okay, I mean that's you know not not the best news, but it's at least more Henry Superman, so I'll take it. You know, I'll take the crumbs for now. But Man of Steel two is of course the goal. I mean, it, it's the one that only makes sense. But yeah, I'm, I'm I excited. Mean, I think I think Black Adam Shazam it has a lot of potential. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the animated short with Superman and Shazam and Black Adam. Yep, that, that one's a great one, and uh, it would be cool. There, there's this great scene where uh, Shazam wants to go kill Black Adam, and Superman talks him down, and. Uh, it's kind of like a great way of just, you know, portraying Superman as the hopeful guy who would never cross that line. Now, of course, mm-hmm. in the DCU, he has killed Zod, but it, it would be interesting if they could kind of modify that in a way where he kind of learned his lesson from what he did to Zod and what it led to Doomsday. What yeah, I'd be like, don't death. learn from right? my it, mistake. It would be interesting if he could talk down Billy because of that. Yeah, exactly. That would be awesome. I really want him to them too. As far as like... Like Deadline said, so Deadline actually did another report where they did say Suicide Squad or The Suicide Squad is not one of them. And Wonder Woman 2 is also not one of them. So it is these three movies. It's not They didn't mention The Flash, surprisingly. But uh, he will appear in one of these three movies, like for sure. It could even be two of them. It could even be all of them. But I doubt that. I don't see him appearing in Aquaman 2. Unless it's like maybe. Yeah, I would agree scene. with that. Unless it's in it. Well, I mean, Aquaman 2, we will focus on Black Manta as the main villain. Yes. So maybe a lot of it will appear on land. So maybe like a cameo, but I, he fits so well in just the Shazam character's like history. So I feel like mm-hmm. having a role maybe in the second and third act of Shazam where he trains Shazam, how to be a bit better of a fighter, and then eventually fights Black Adam in a future movie. I would love that. Yeah, <laughs> well, and, and and I think it'll be interesting to see the rest of the Shazamly interact with him. Uh, you know, I, I, of course, Freddie would be fanboying out over him. Oh yeah, you know, <laughs> it, it, it would be really cool to see. You know, the Shazamly team up with Superman. It, it, it could make for some cool fight sequences, and r- like I said, just any more of Henry Superman is good news to me. Exactly, that'd be awesome. And 
I believe Black Adam is more of a prequel movie. I'm guessing it's going to take place years and years and years ago. And then at the end of the movie, maybe connect to modern times with him heading to Shazam, finding Shazam, finding out there's a new champion. Heading to Fawcett City. Yeah, he finds out there's a new champion kind of thing. So I feel like Black Adam movie also comes out before Shazam 2. So it is, well, it was supposed to be filming right now. It's just due to the virus that it's delayed. So again, mm-hmm. so we'll have to wait and find out. But Henry is officially back, so that's good. Yeah. Next bit of news uh, regarding the Snyder Cut: Zack Snyder has shared a picture of Darkseid replacing the same scene as the original cut of Justice League during the history lesson, where we got that uh, the gods all fighting in the war, and we got the Green Lantern cameo. Uh, they've replaced Stephen Wolf with Darkseid here. So it looks like the same scene, just with Dark Side and Stephen Wolf, which is good. I don't know why they would replace him anyway. <laughs> like, yeah, it's Wolf. it's it's almost like Warner Brothers like set Justice League to fail. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. why bother building Dark Side if we're never going to get to Dark Side? Which is like a very odd mentality to go through. But you yeah, know. it's like oh, you know that scene that with Dark Side was replace him with his uncle that has no big stories in the comics. <laughs> Like that, that they, would be like that. That would be like the end credit scene of Avengers where Thanos, uh, you know, grabs the or I don't, whichever one it is where Thanos grabs the glove. Let's just have someone else gr- grab the uh, gauntlet instead. Yeah, Age <laughs> of Ultron. That uh, it's strange. Like remember when they was announced that Stephen Wolf was going to be the villain, and everyone was posting that Earth Two comic where he kills Wonder Woman. That's a very small issue. Like not much happens yeah. in that. Stephen Wolf is not the main villain. It's very minor. It's just that's the only big feat that people could find about Steppenwolf. Steppenwolf is in Dark Side War for like two panels. <laughs> that's it. There's other people, there's other new gods bigger than Steppenwolf, but decided to use them. So it looks like Zack Snyder's replacing it with Dark Side in this case. Um, yeah, I mean, to put to put Steppenwolf into perspective, in Flash the Fastest Man Alive, Bart's run, uh, Steppenwolf is like a, a one-beat villain, which is like, really? That's who you're going with? Like, on both accounts of... Steppenwolf stooping that low and the Flash like you're fighting Steppenwolf why <laughs> I think he shows up at like a I'm trying to remember it's like at a, like a police station when Bart is in training at the police station and he's like Steppenwolf's like breaking in it's just like what <laughs> yeah I feel like the first appearance of Steppenwolf like the comic is even like very very minor and I guarantee he's in the background of his first appearance if anything yeah like he's a very minor character for New Gods at least um Next bit of news regarding the Snyder Cut is J.K. Simmons, who plays Jim Gordon in Justice League. He did a little live stream recently where he's doing a little Q&A. Uh, during the live stream, he did talk about the Snyder Cut and address that he is very excited for the cut to come out because there was more Jim Gordon scenes that weren't in the theatrical movie. So we kind of knew that you would have a minor role in just a little bit of scenes, but in the theatrical cut, there was only one. So now there's going to be a few more here. Uh, he also said... He, the reason he knows the cut is coming out, because, I mean, J.K. Simmons is an old guy. We don't think he's on the internet all the time saying hashtag release the Snyder Cut. But it's, it's because Zack Snyder had to call every single actor in the movie that had a single line of dialogue to ask their permission to release this. If someone said no, then this cut would not come out. So he had to call J.K. Simmons to say, hey, my cut's coming out if you allow it to. So I find that interesting. Just a little yeah. fun fact for everyone. <laughs> yeah, that is interesting. Um, Not really news, but because of all these Snyder Cut things and a lot of appreciation to these characters, there are rumors that Ben Affleck's Batman will return. 
the most of the rumors are coming saying that he's going to get an HBO Max TV show uh, with like a high budget, just seeing the continuation of his Batman, because we all kind of know at the end of Justice League, it's likely going to set something up for Batman. Considering when this movie was filmed, Ben Affleck was going to have a trilogy. So these are just rumors. Do you believe them? I mean, HBO TV would be kind of the ideal place for a Batman series. It's high budget enough where you could have like a Game of Thrones type budget. And I mean, Batfleck is somebody that I think we all wanted to see more of. And Mm -hmm. to be honest, his story probably works better as a TV series anyway. You know, the long fights with Deathstroke, the dealing with the dead Robin. There's a lot of ways to go with that. That being said, I, you know, I hate to JD it, but (laughs) I kind of don't see this happening. I mean... Oh, you, I, it's I just, gonna happen. I, I just feel like, that, yeah, now it's gonna happen. I'm, I'd be okay with that. I'm happy to be wrong if it's better for DC, but um, I just don't see Ben Affleck returning to the role. You know, he's been doing other movies. He's been dealing with his alcoholism and his divorce, and you know, it's he still has a lot on his plate. He's not, you know, probably not as stressed as he was, you know, back when he was going through the Batman stuff. But I don't think he's out of the woodwork just yet so I, I just don't see this happening uh to me actually what would possibly be the most interesting would be a uh, hbo animated series um with like starring like the batfleck crew I, I think that could be really cool oh, that'd be cool and, uh g- gives you a lot more flexibility of what to do in animation because you know you could use your budget differently and it's not as much stress on ben or whoever else yeah that'd be cool but i'd take a new animated batman show even if it wasn't that but wasn't ben affleck yeah but that'd be awesome yeah I don't see it happening either, though. I'm on your side here. Unlike Zack Snyder, who was supposedly fired, or Henry Cavill, who just didn't say anything uh, for so long that people thought he was out of Superman, uh, Ben Affleck left. Like, he he was the one who wanted to leave. It wasn't like he was fired or he was laid off. No, he was the one who chose to do this in the end. And he looks happier now, though he left due to health reasons and things like that, so... I'm a, I, as much as I'd like to see him return, I don't think it's going to happen. I feel like they're moving forward with the Pattinson Batman, and yeah. Yeah, but but there's definitely, I believe, a fan base out there for him that would, you know, love for it, you know? Oh, I'm, I'm part of that fan base, <laughs> like... Yeah, as, and, and as am I, but, uh, you know, I, I think the same people who want the Snyder Cut and have, you know, pushed the movement for the Snyder Cut would be the same people that would tune into a Batfleck uh, show weekly and all that. So there, yeah, there's exactly. definitely a fan base for it. Yeah, and it would make money in the end. So, I mean, I'd, everyone would watch it. It's just I don't think it's going to happen. Um, yeah. Moving on from the Snyder Cut, AT&T, the company that I guess brought back the Snyder Cut. I don't really know too much about this company. But they have addressed the air cut, which is the uh, real cut of the Suicide Squad Ever since Snyder Cut was confirmed, there's been a lot of people being like, oh, since you can get the Snyder Cut, can we get the real Suicide Squad cut? Because, again, Suicide Squad went through the same problem as Snyder Cut, where the studio did cut up a lot of scenes and changed up the script a little bit. So people are trying to get this cut now. What do you think about that? Uh, from from what I've read from David Ayer himself is that the, the Ayer cut is vastly different where it ties into what the original cut of justice league was and makes suicide squad a better movie. And there's way more Jared Leto scenes that actually do mm-hmm. justice to the character, which I don't know if I believe that last part, but <laughs> um, very interesting regardless uh, if this were to happen. And I've seen kind of uh, 
tweets on both sides of this or posts on both sides of this where people say, oh, no, they wouldn't put money to the IR cut. And then there's people that say the IR cut is actually pretty much ready to go. They have all the scenes. Um, I, I know a while ago they said that, you know, as much as they'd love to release all the Jared Leto scenes, they can't. But apparently they cut like 90% of his scenes. So who knows? Yeah. Maybe that tat- that tatted up gangster could be <laughs> a good joke underneath. I still have my doubts. But yeah, maybe. he was supposed to be like a major part of the movie. And in the end, he only got seven minutes. And it was a weird seven yeah. minutes to pick. <laughs> like, I mean, again, we don't know the yeah. full scenes. But if they're better than that, why did they pick those scenes in the end? We do have the famous picture going around of where his half his face is just all scarred up, like where he apparently yeah. after his last scene in the movie where the helicopter is shut down, gets shot down, he falls. Apparently he survives that and comes out and he fights the whole squad. We didn't see that in the end because it was cut. But I don't know. I feel like AT and T addressing this because they have said people are saying release the air cut, and they've responded with tweets of su- like gifts of Suicide Squad. And they even came out and said, let's focus on one big project at a time, Winky Face. So maybe after the Snyder Yeah, cuts and, and, and they're the, the studio that's doing the rest of the CGI for the Snyder Cut is apparently working on the IR Cut as well. Is okay. It, is something I saw. Which yeah, because uh, Zoink Studios, I think. You would not need that big of a budget for this. Because Snyder yeah. Cut, you need more animators to animate Darkseid. Because Darkseid, in the end, is a big CGI character. You need people to come in because they are doing slight reshoots here and there. So I understand getting a big budget for that. But Suicide Squad, you don't need that much CGI in it. So I feel like it's less of a budget for sure. I mean, Snyder Cut got a huge budget (laughs) in the end, but I don't know. I'd watch it. it. it, It's funny because now now I'm starting to see more of a push for the IR Cut. It used to be like a very rare hashtag. just in the last few days, it went from a thousand posts on Instagram of released IR cut to five thousand. So, oh wow! Any anytime you can get five times the posts in just a week, I mean that's you know that, that, that's People a movement. And I wouldn't be surprised. I, I wouldn't be surprised if in the next few weeks it's over ten thousand, twenty thousand, and then just keeps going up. I mean, you know, I, I I think the movement could push for it, and I and I think the Snyder cut is honestly going to do well, regardless of how it is, good or bad. I think it's going to do well on HBO Max. It's going to get a lot of viewership. It's oh, absolutely, get a lot of membership. So. So I, I think, you know, that could prompt them to be like, you know what, people want this. We're going to do the IR cut as well. So we'll see. I mean, at the end of the day, for HBO Max, it's about getting subscriptions. So, And I told mm-hmm. you they have a big target goal of getting – it was something like 125 million subscriptions, which is like only Netflix has those kinds of numbers. So, you know, it's, yeah. it's not going to be easy, but you need big things like this to help get that uh, it, membership up. Yeah. So. I mean, HBO Max launched on Wednesday. I don't know if they're doing good so far, but – I mean, from what I've seen of what they have on there, all the shows and movies, if it was available in Canada, I would get this. Absolutely. There's a lot of shows on there that I want to see. It looks like it has a great selection of movies. And again, Snyder Cut. (laughs) Yeah, I'll be getting it eventually. I'm still waiting to see if they're going to have some kind of bundle. If there was a way that I could bundle my DC Universe into it, I would be very happy. But I don't know if that's going to happen. But that would be really cool. Um, but, But we'll see. Like I, I like that uh, Disney Plus has the bundle with Hulu and ESPN Plus, which I don't even use the ESPN Plus part of it, but I have the Hulu and Disney together for a much better price. So if they could do something like that with DC Universe and HBO Max, that would be really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll see. I, I haven't gotten it just yet. So yeah, I'll hold I have a little bit longer. But I'm, uh, I'm I am excited to get the service. Yeah, I mean it looks great. Despise just all the DC stuff on there. I'll be getting it if it's in Canada. 
Assuming it does, please, God, make it before the Snyder Cut. <laughs> I don't want to watch the Snyder Cut, like, off someone's phone or blurry online. <laughs> I want to see it in HD. <laughs> but yeah, going back to the air cut real quick, do you think it will be good? <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, the way David Ayer has described it, it's like a totally different movie. So I, I've always said that, you know, the the best superhero tra- uh, comic book movie trailers I've ever seen are from Suicide Squad. I mean, I can remember the absolute hype from those trailers. The moment that plays Bohemian Rhapsody, like that was, that was insanity. Exciting, yeah. I think I, I, I think I must have watched that trailer at least 100 times, if not more. Well, yeah, they so, time up the beat with Deadshot's guns and it, it's nice. Oh, it's so cool. So I, I, I got to think that it should be better i mean if it's anything like those trailers that would be cool not uh y'all joke because it must be crazy you know i don't need more of that but 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 i i think it has potential i mean i don't know i'm to me the biggest wild card is jared's joker because pretty much everyone has written him off as horrible joker but if 90 percent of his scenes were cut could he possibly be better maybe i'm interested to find out i want to see that yeah i mean i'd see it but in the end for the Snyder Cut, I love Man of Steel. I love Batman v Superman. So if it's in the same style as that, I'll love the Snyder Cut. For the IR Cut, I hated Suicide Squad. So yeah. I don't, I don't know. It's not nothing to do with the characters. Like Harley Quinn's great, Deadshot's great, Captain Boomerang's great at times, but <laughs> uh, El Diablo's great. So the, it, you do have a good cast of characters. It's just I don't know. A lot of I don't know. Yeah, that's that's what I think of it. I don't know. In the end, I, we'd have to see more clips and stuff. David Ayer has even been happy that people are supporting his cut. And he released another picture of Joker that we haven't seen yet of him looking very serious with the scars on his face from the helicopter. So he also said that um, he based Jared Leto's Joker off of the more recent comics. So I'm guessing he's talking about Batman Endgame, Batman Death of the Family. Those being Definitely. the recent comics at the time that it was filmed so definitely i, I mean jerry leto's hair is very much joker endgame hair and this just no tattoos so we'll just have to wait and see if this will actually come oh do you think it'll actually come out in the end jinx it for um, us um <laughs> i i think ultimately it's going to come down to how the snyder card goes I, I but i think it's a, a stronger possibility than it ever was before Okay, yeah, I'm the same way. I feel like a lot of things that are released the blank cut have a strong possibility now that Snyder Cuts is, is actually happening. Yeah, I hope... it, it basically sets the precedent for any kind of fan movement going forward, which mm-hmm. is kind of insane to think about. Like, there's going to be a documentary about the Snyder Cut one day. Oh, I absolutely. 100% for a fact know that. How it inspired other people to do the same thing for things they want to see. Hashtag save Daredevil. I want Daredevil season four so badly. <laughs> Um, moving on from that news, um, there's some Green Lantern news that you sent me earlier. Are you allowed to talk about it? Oh, yeah. So, uh, so HBO Max is doing a Green Lantern series. Uh, Mm -hmm. Greg Bertinelli, who did the, uh, like CW shows and he's done a bunch of stuff. I'm for the CW shows, uh, is going to be heading the Green Lantern show on HBO Max. Now, when it first was talked about, they said that it's not going to be Hal Jordan or John Stewart. So we were like, oh, okay, that's odd. And then there were rumors that it was going to be Kyle Rayner, but then there was rumors that it was going to be two people. And now they finally talked about it a little bit more recently, uh, where the HBO, uh, the chief of HBO Max kind of teased about the Green Lantern series and 
he was basically just saying like how big it's going to be and um you know they're kind of expecting the series to span for a long time mm-hmm. uh but they want they want it to be about two green lanterns on earth which immediately led people to being like okay could it actually be simon and jess um but yeah and and it would supposedly be tying into the movie which would be about hal and john uh this is huge news i've always said that the green lantern lore is enough like it's basically star wars when it comes to lore i mean there's so (laughs) much to cover and there's so much comic there's so many comics to use i mean starting at Kyle's run in the 90s or even Jeff John's run in the 2000s there's just so much to cover Green Lantern Corps by Tomasi oh, and Gleason like there's just there's so much to use and that's amazing and i think like i mentioned before HBO Max would be the perfect place for a Batflex series this is the perfect place for a Green Lantern series i mean with Green Lantern you need you absolutely need a good CGI yeah you need a budget <laughs> i mean the ring itself yeah, all mean, the constructs and yeah that's a good point <laughs> That's interesting. Now, it, 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 it would be very interesting to see Simon and Jess come to live action only because they're such new characters. That's kind of yeah. you know, fa- fairly unheard of of new characters going right to the screen. But it's happened before. I mean, Godspeed was around for, what, three years before he appeared on the CW? Now, I know it's not exactly the same. But regardless, you know, it is pretty interesting that we could see them so quickly after their first appearance. And I think if, you know... depending on what kind of market they're going for, they might end up being the perfect choice because I think Jess and Simon are relatable to different demographics than your typical comic book shows or movies, which is, you know, has potential to bring in more viewership. And as mentioned before, HBO Max has potential to bring in more membership. So a bit more unique too, as far as, yeah, I mean, I mean, Simon's Simon's origin story is insane. I mean, he was, you know, they thought he was a uh, truck bomber. So, you know, that, that, would, that would be interesting. And he would be, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, you know, the first uh, Arab superhero in live uh, action you know, comic book media. Or, yeah, live action rather. And I'm assuming, if I'm thinking right, Jess would be the first Hispanic. Yeah, I, I can't of. think of, well, maybe not. I can't think of anyone else who is. But yeah, for those unfamiliar, Simon Baz. Unless you he, count El Diablo. Oh, yeah, I guess so. Simon Baz, though, <laughs> going with the truck thing. Uh, he had to get away, so he ended up carjacking a truck at a time just for a little bit. He was going to return it, but during that, there was there just happened it happened to be a terrorist truck. He didn't know that at the time, but eventually he was caught. He got out of the truck. He's like, "All right, you caught me." And then they searched the truck and saw bombs in there. So immediately they thought, "Oh, he's a terrorist." So they arrested him, even though he's not in the end. In prison, the ring came to him because he had so much willpower, power being in prison for supposedly life for doing something that wasn't that wrong in the end for him. So he was able to get the ring and prove his innocence after that. Uh, Jessica goes through, has, is an anxiety character. She has extreme amount of anxiety. The Green Lantern ring comes to you when you're extremely brave. In most cases, it's like Hal Jordan being afraid of nothing. But for Jessica, it's just dealing with her own fear of getting out of bed every morning. And that's enough willpower to get her the ring. So I feel like that's a lot of things that you don't see a live action that a lot of people could discover and relate to and maybe pick up a comic book and become comic fans which is a lot of people's goal when making live action things is to get them into the comics so i i at first i wasn't a fan of having simon and jess be the main characters because they are new in the end but i kind of like it now i see why yeah they i mean do it. i mean i mean i like it on the conditions that 
Hal and John are going to be in the movies. That's fine. And I, of course, want Kyle and Guy, of course. I mean, you yeah, know, have I them feel around. Like you can't leave them out. So, so I, I also don't want to see it where it's like Simon and Jess are, you know, uh, older Green Lanterns than Kyle and Guy, where they really changed oh, no. up. You know, to me, to me, that would be a big mistake because I think part of what makes uh, Simon and Jess so unique is that they are the newbies. So I think it would be better to establish that, uh, make the Hal and John movie, not an origin movie kind of establish like establish that the green lanterns have been around for a while. And that way you could have Kyle and guy floating in the background and possibly appearing on the show, like how they appeared in the green lanterns by Sam Humphreys. But yeah. I, I, I do think it would be, you know, th- this could be a great gateway to getting more viewership. I mean, I think there would be so many people and there were people that, you know, even with just the comics really bonded with Jessica Cruz and came to like her. Same thing with the animated movie that featured her, even though it wasn't that great, people really enjoyed the character. And I I feel like no matter what list I see, she's always high up on the Green Lantern rankings. So, you know, there's definitely a fan base out there for it. So I'd I'd be very interested to see. And uh, yeah, I think this could be a huge success if done right. Absolutely. Yeah, no kidding. And she is extremely popular she already has a fan base of her own even with people that don't necessarily read comics like jessica cruz they know who she is so putting your oh, face well, on and, that, and, that, and that's 100 what i was thinking you know there's people who really have only picked up minor comics that you know bonded with jessica cruz and that's like the goal of making comics is to get you know new readership exactly. and the goal of making you know tv shows or movies is to get new viewership so this is a big character for that yeah and speaking of when you were talking about the budget of the movie and all the all the lore that you can go through with Green Lantern. We're comparing this to a show that went on for just about 10 years, Arrow. You can't do much with the Green Arrow lore, to be honest. So because yeah. it went on for so long, they had to do things that are, weren't a part of the comics. Introduce characters that are have never appeared in a comic book. And in the end, Arrow's ranking in total. As a show in total, it's alright. Like... <laughs> It has a lot of bad seasons. This guy has a lot of bad choices, bad episodes. But with Green Lantern, you don't really have to make up a plot because you have so many stories that you can go through. You could have like huge finales with Sinestro Corps. Well, 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 I, well, I was thinking that Jess doesn't even make a construct until the season one finale. You know, oh, how, like how point. they did it in, in volume one of Green Lantern. Or I read in trade, you read in single issue. But um, she doesn't make her first construct until like the end of the first arc. So I think if you were to push that throughout the first season of doing her origin and then, you know, her origin from Dark Side War, of course. <laughs> Dark Side War. <laughs> let's do it right yeah. now. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, doing, doing her Dark Side War origin and then, you know, pushing her into being a Green Lantern. Not getting that first construct for till the end of the first season would would be huge because it would save you so many stories down the line and would make you really earn that moment where she makes the first construct. Yeah, no kidding. Although I I wouldn't be too upset they don't do her Dark Side War origin because that is a little confusing for starting off a show. I mean, I understand if it's just oh she gets out of bed, she's starting to become better with her anxiety. Ring comes to her. Well, the Dark Side War origin is. A parallel Earth's ring that lives off fear came to her, latched itself on her, controlled her for about a year. Batman convinced her to be good. Uh, She joins the Justice League for a few months and then gets killed by the Black Racer. And then the the Green Lantern ring comes and revives her. That's a little confusing for an origin. Uh, Yeah, I mean, uh, you watched the animated movie with her. I mean, they kind of, you know, did the haunting origin and then kind of went into her being a Green Lantern. So, yeah, I guess you could do something a little bit more like that. But either way, I think, you know, there's a lot to do there and it could be really cool. Yeah, 
for sure. Maybe even like the first few up. Ep- I-, I would like if they have maybe start off with her as the main character, get her the ring, and she's introduced to Simon Bowes, and Simon already has the ring. Because Simon, in the mm-hmm. end, was Green Lantern for a year before Jessica was. He was in Trinity War, if you remember that. Yeah. So, yeah, they could do something with that. But it's interesting. It makes me excited. We still still no release date on this. Still no castings either. It's just kind of in the talks at the moment. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it it should it should be interesting either way. Yeah. The final bit of news is the Avengers video game, which is still happening. Uh, it's having a showcase on June twenty fourth. Originally it was supposed to be out now, but it was delayed until I think November could be September but it was delayed till the fall in the end so uh they have announced that despite being quarantined everyone is still working hard on this they're able to take their equipment home and the game is still coming out and they have a lot to show about it so they're doing a live stream on June 24th showing off new gameplay new levels better improved graphics new cutscenes and new characters so we'll keep you updated on that week yeah, I, uh, the, only, the only thing I got to say about this is I feel like a lot of games kind of struggle. Um, I, I'm thinking, you know, from the the next gen jump where we know PS5 and Xbox. Uh, Scarlet? I don't actually know what the new. I, I don't know what the new Xbox is called. I but, think it's called Xbox um, X Scarlet. I think. Uh, oh, X. Okay, but but I, either way, I, I think games kind of struggle when a new system is coming out, kind of right behind it, because like. Me personally, I don't know if I'd buy a PS4 game if I know PS5 is coming out. You know, within it's two months in December. Yeah, so, they come out in December. So, so, so I think that you know this game might end up struggling a little bit, or might not get the sales that it was going to get if it was releasing now in the summer. So, I'm, I'm interested to kind of watch that unfold. But you know, I, I wonder if it'll be on the next gen, especially because a lot of people are going to be making that jump to next gen. Yeah, no kidding. We'll have to wait and see, because I, I know I will likely be getting a PlayStation 5, assuming Spider-Man PS5 is announced. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I assume you would, too, I'm guessing. Yeah, oh, yeah, I've, I've, I've been on PlayStation since PlayStation 2, of course. Yeah, and I'm kind of both. I, I literally, I was an Xbox guy, but I got a PlayStation just for Spider-Man. So <laughs> I'll, be doing, I'll be doing it again for Spider-Man PS5, assuming that comes out. But yeah. That's yeah. all the news that we have of the week. That's all the what we gathered. If we miss anything, let us know. But and we might talk about it next week. But for now, we'll go on to the comics of the week, which is not a lot, but we will go over the very exciting issue of Flash. So you want to take it? Away? Yeah, yeah. So Flash seven fifty three and Flash seven fifty four both came out this week. The I believe seven fifty three actually came out like two weeks ago when DC did the distributing through someone other than Diamond. But it didn't release in my comic shop. It didn't re- release at Hunter's shop. It didn't no. release at a lot of shops. It was only a few shops. So not too many people had the issue. So it officially came out uh, much wider this week. Um, this was a very good bo- – bo- I thought both were very good issues. Um, I-, I think Hunter said it best on Instagram about – you know, Parado- Paradox had a very boring, you know, origin cliche story. origin. My family but as a doesn't villain, like he's been it. <laughs> but as a villain, he's been very interesting. Yeah. I mean, his origin story was just like, my family is afraid of me because I look different. I'm gonna kill everyone. <laughs> like, yeah, and, and it was kind of like it, it was kind of like I have a lifelong vendetta against the Flash, but you only know me for this issue. And it's like, okay, you know, you need to be built up a little bit more. But yeah. but now that we're actually seeing him in command, it's very interesting. He's very powerful. I I did a post a few days ago um, about Williamson talking about making paradox. And he talks about how, you know, he went through Barry's villains and he thought 
he doesn't have that kind of cosmic huge threat, right? He has reverse flash, he has the rogues. But what brings him to the next level, right? You don't give him anti-monitor because that's kind of a Justice League villain. So who's his villain? So he decided that he wants to create that cosmic type villain, someone who has that like ultimate power like that. And that's how he came to Paradox, which is an interesting way to of an outlook on it. And I was like, yeah, right, you know what? He's right. Bar- Barry's never really had that huge villain like that. So um, actually seeing him use his powers was extremely interesting and really brutal. It actually kind of reminded me of like, uh, apocalypse from marvel in a way like the way he was kind of towering oh, over and you know yeah. kind of just like destroying everything like I, I got a lot of apocalypse vibes i can see that yeah absolutely uh going over the issue his so i guess we'll focus on the power part for now he time well, he doesn't time travel he gets godspeed forces godspeed to use the cosmic treadmill to time travel back and he goes to the last arc which was a uh, where Captain Cold is very... Yeah, ro- Rogue's Reign. Yeah, Captain Cold is very powerful. And we go over this fight scene between Cold and Barry. And same lines and everything. Godspeed... Or, not Godspeed. Uh, Captain Cold yelling, You're not the only one who's supercharged. And then, boom, Godspeed and Paradox appear. And all Paradox does is kind of turns Flash and Gods- and uh, Captain Cold to sand, in a way. He makes them gone. Reduced to atoms. He used the Flash to kill the Flash. Kind of. <laughs> he, he ends up... I mean, it kind of makes me think, like, okay, so you're killing these past versions of themselves. This creates another paradox. But how the heck is he going to get beat if this is, if he could just do that? Like, he just kind of, like, points his hands at these two powerful characters and they die. How do you defeat that? Oh yeah, and well, in this, so, so I was talking to uh, Comic Rebirth, aka Harper, big listener to the show. He's probably listening right now. What up? Hi. Um, but <laughs> he, he uh, we, we were talking about Paradox a little bit, and uh, he, he was saying that you know he's really uh, loving, kind of like the cosmic feel of Paradox, and how you know it, it's kind of like the ultimate concept of you know I have to keep killing, killing over and over, and then even you know getting himself like the constant paradoxes like he said it almost reminds him of like kind of the metal concept where you kind of throw everything at the wall and and uh, you know i, I agree 100 percent. i was like yeah well, you know that is kind of what it's like but i told him that you know the fear of this is that however they defeat paradox is going to be underwhelming because how do you defeat a guy this powerful he'll have to be defeated by the plot yeah basically you will likely like maybe lose his powers a little bit i, I think the only way that i would appreciate this is if he's talked down superman style if he's like mm-hmm. if barry like convinces him no this is wrong i can see him doing that maybe he lowers his guard and then eobard comes in and takes him out yeah or something like that but he does say after he kills these um with each death a new paradox is created rather than unraveling time and space i can harness the temporal energy thus giving me more power so he's killing a past version of barry allen but modern day barry allen is still alive and kicking because it's just like a new paradox. It's a new Flashpoint paradox in a way. So, yeah. a little confusing. What, what did you uh, think of Eobard in these issues? I, I thought, you know, he was pretty good. I mean, this is the first time that Williamson's written Eobard since... Uh, His early days. Uh, what's, that, what's that story called? Oh, the man. one where he destroys yeah. Wallace's legs. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Why? I, I can't absolutely remember. Absolutely mind-blacking. It's, it's Flash 25, 26, 27... Oh, running scared. There we go. Oh, my God. That was terrible. (laughs) My mind was just completely blank. I'm like, oh, my God. I I almost called it the button. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, he he hasn't written on that since that story. So it's 
been a few years now. It's been a lot of issues. He's gr- really grown as a writer, and I feel like it's kind of shown in his Eobard. He's kind of mixed the Eobard takes, the Mark Wade Eobard take of the crazed fanboy and the Jeff Johns Eobard take where he's just an absolute you know, madman of a villain that, you know, is so brutal. I and, was going to say, uh, yeah. And I, and I think blending those two together works really well for Eobard. I was he's say, still yeah. obsessed with Barry, but he's still so powerful. So we see him, you know, just being happy, kind of running side by side with Barry, but also uh, taking, you know, fighting Barry and wanting to kill the villain when he didn't want to. So very interesting uh and this is more in 54 than 53 so i guess you didn't read all of that but yeah um, I, I i thought the way they wrote eobard was really cool and I, even his introduction was really good I, I posted that scene on instagram today or thursday when we're recording mm-hmm. um about you know when when he revisits the death of his mother i thought that was brilliant i, I, I know it's kind of a cheesy layer. concept of you know returning to the death and the mother and all that but I thought it was great. I mean, the the nine panel scene and Porter's really become excellent. These nine panel scenes, he did a ton of them in Flash Year One and all that. Uh, the, the nine panel scene where he's waiting outside the house, just absolutely knowing what's going to happen, and then he lets his head down and he hears like he sees the lightning and he hears a scream, like absolutely brutal. And the art really does a great job, even if it's just you know him standing outside the house with his head down, really good, and just like the. The fist clenching, I mean, absolute perfection. Yeah, clenches fist, grits his teeth. He's it's like he's almost like hesitant, like I can't let this happen. Like I can run in there, but he knows that'll create another flashpoint, and he will have to go all over again. So he lets it out. It's it's such a powerful scene with only a single line of dialogue, yeah. or I guess a, a few. He says all he could do is wait. So it's nice, and he, all he does is he waits for Reverse Flash to leave, and then he just tackles them down. Going back to his personality, I feel like when Williamson first wrote this in Running Scared, he wrote him as kind of like, um, besides the origin story of uh, The Only Time You Can Spend With Me, uh, he was more of a monster then, which is what a lot of writers write Eobard as. He's like this madman, this very powerful person. I mean, he finds Wallace and just breaks both of his legs instantly. So it's mm-hmm. cool that there's the monster version, and while this version feels a little bit more curious... He's asking yeah. questions as he's fighting Flash, and he's he's getting nervous when he hears Paradox's name. But then he starts smiling again as he's speeding Barry down. So yeah, and and it's also interesting that you know this is a different point in the timeline because he has to go before Eobard died. So you know, kind of different versions of Eobard that you get when you travel. It's it's cool. Um, I, I don't remember which issue it's in, but uh, he says that. Uh, he says Barry travels through time like a rookie. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, there, there's a few weird lines. So the, the, in uh, 54, he says, uh, that's a reverse flash fact, good buddy. <laughs> Always running side by side with Barry. That's a that's a very Williamson line, but I'll, I'll let it slide. There's another <laughs> one where he calls him, uh, I, I think he calls him Care Bear, but like he calls Barry Care Bear. <laughs> I mean, I can kind of picture a little, the voice. A, a little, a little odd, but I guess it fits Eobard's fanboyism. Like I said, I feel like he blended the two versions of Eobard because on one page he's calling him Care Bear, and on the next one he's pulling out the lightning rod that he tried to kill Iris with. Very, okay. you know, flip floppy, but that's kind of what Eobard is. Um, using the lightning rod is interesting, and like I don't want to get too much into it because you haven't read the issue just yet, but um, I, I thought it was really cool. Uh, but something that you do know that happens in fifty four is that there's a coloring mistake or a art mistake uh so the art is great in this issue rafa sandoval great as always i i love his flash art um 
there's a scene where Eobard and Barry are fighting, and uh, somebody had sent me the digital version uh, earlier in the week that they had them mixed up. So um, on the top panel, uh, Eobard says, "I never should have brought you here. You're going. You're going back." to when i pulled you from and barry says why so i could die again and eobard goes what that's completely backwards because it's supposed to be barry saying i never should have brought you here and eobard saying why so i could die again right it makes no yeah. sense <laughs> barry didn't die and then oh. later in the pan uh, i think it's three panels later uh eobard says i'd never kill and then barry says but you'd kill but you killed me <laughs> and it's like uh eobard would never kill <laughs> <laughs> so it, it was completely backwards. Now, in that was in the digital version. In the version I bought, the second one is fixed. So they have Barry saying, I'd never kill, and Eobard saying, but you killed me. But the top one is still the same. So they fixed one, but not the other. A weird editing mistake, uh, art mistake, whatever it is. I can't believe it slid past. Like When things like that happen, it's crazy to me. Uh, there was an issue of... Superman. I want to say it was Batman where they drew uh, Barry as Reverse Flash, and that was kind of oh, a coloring mistake. That was um, wasn't the button, or was it something it, else? It was it, it was a flashback to the button in I think the price, or right, in, in yes. a Batman issue they were flashing back to the button, and it might have been like during City of Bane or something like that. It was like a tiny little panel though where he was drawn as Reverse Flash instead of Flash. Whatever, that wasn't as big a deal. This one was just like completely I mean, backwards because it kind of takes you out of it, yeah. like. Like I'm reading, and I'm like, "What?" Like, like uh, in, in the version that I have, and that you'll have uh, next week, um, Evard says that he never should have brought him here, and that he's going to bring him back where he pulled him from. And then Barry says, "Why?" So I could die again. Evard says, "What?" And then Evard just goes into monologuing about dying. So, it's like, <laughs> it's a yeah, weird that placement. doesn't make so much sense. But uh, yeah, something really cool happens after that. I, I really don't want to spoil it for you because I really want you to read it and I'm sure you'll be making a post from it because it's that cool. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, th- this issue was really excellent and the way it ended kind of blew my mind and I'm like, I have zero idea where it's going to go. But the next issue, I believe, is the finale. So, Of oh, this whew. arc. And then it's a uh, finish line, right? Uh, yeah, it's this is the Flash Age, and then it's finish line. So the end, end of Williamson coming up, and uh, yeah, Paradox, I don't know. I, re- I really don't know what's going to happen, but I'm very interested to see what happens. Uh, I'm excited. This this whole issue of uh, the one, sorry, the, the previous one, 753, it's so good. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love so this good. arc so much. The whole interaction with Leo Bard, even the fight. There's a scene where Barry just repeatedly punches Reverse Flash in the face. The art is so cool. You see like 10 fists just hitting him due to the speed and lightning just flashing. Oh, it's and, so and, and it's so cool that it's very Silver Age to like, you know, smash his head in like that. Mm-hmm. It is, yes. Very much so. so Even like the it's... beginning of this issue, the many deaths of Eobarthon. That's so cool. Like th- this panel came out weeks ago, but it's still so cool. <laughs> yeah. You see every single uh, death. I'm, 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 I'm curious, though, about the... Uh, in the many deaths of Eobard Thawne, um, the one right after Flashpoint, right before he dies for Iris, Wally West tries to save me, but it's too late. As the Flash historian in the room, <laughs> as far as I know, at least, that has never happened in a comic. So are we led to believe, and are we going to find out in something that while Flashpoint was happening, remember, we've gotten little details of like what was Wally's reaction to Flashpoint in I don't remember if it was Flash Forward or Heroes in Crisis, where like he said like everything went black. 
did Wally try to reach out to Eobard while he was in the Speed Force? That seems like a story that should be told. <laughs> it looks like it. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I don't Maybe this was a Flashpoint tie-in that I missed or something. But ugh, hist- I thought you were going to explain that. But interesting. I can imagine. I mean, the light- a- any, any listener can correct me if I'm wrong. But I don't remember this ever happening in a comic. And I've read every Flash comic for the last, you know, 30 plus years. So, you know, I don't want to toot my own horn here. But <laughs> I don't think this has ever happened in the comic. I mean, the light behind Eobard in this panel where he's running, that's the same kind of art style as when Barry undid Flashpoint. Like, the huge light came, and New 52 began. And it looks like when he ran to undo Flashpoint, it looks like Eobard started running to, to the Speed Force, and he sees Wally. And yeah. maybe Wally, being alone at the time, just saw another person. So he's like, maybe it's another speedster. I know it's a bad one, but... We could work together. Yeah, he, he he reached out for the hand. I mean, it's interesting, and I think that could be a really cool story to tell eventually. Mm-hmm. Because in the end, Wally, when Flashpoint ended, Wally was sucked into the Speed Force. Looks like he's just trying to save Eobard. It's in between yeah. uh, Flashpoint Batman killing him and Dr. Manhattan killing him. So it takes place between those two. It seems like it takes place right after Flashpoint Batman. So... Yeah, it's right after Flashpoint Batman, and then the next one is when, yeah, when when uh, when Doctor Manhattan gets him. So I'm I'm very curious what it is, and I don't know. I mean, Williamson has teased like other projects that are not mainline Flash, so maybe he could be telling that story himself. I don't know. I feel like Williamson doesn't typically do stuff by accident. You know, he kind of plants seeds as he goes. Yeah, that looks like a seed. Maybe we'll have to get him on the podcast to ask about that. <laughs> Yeah, I know. <laughs> Actually, we should we should try that. I'm I'm so curious, and the writer would know more than we do. So coming yeah. soon, hopefully. But yeah, those are the flash issues. What do you rate the issues? Oh, I think both are like a nine out of ten. I really enjoyed both, and I'm very curious to see how the story ends. I hope it's I hope it lives up to these last two. Honestly, I'll give seven fifty three a ten. Like I see no flaws. Wow, it's probably one of my favorite. It's in my top five of Williamson's run. I'd say. Yeah, it's it's definitely got to be up there in his in his individual issues. So, yeah, I gave it a 10. I mean, it's fantastic. Um, Moving on to Spider-Man, which I could talk about real quick. So, Spider-Man it did a three-issue arc that wasn't about Spider-Man. So, it's Amazing Spider-Man issue 40 to 43. It's about an alien, which was in the comics years ago, called Gog. So... It's a little alien. They go over his origin story in this. And most of these three issues, there's barely any dialogue at all. It's all art. And it's mm-hmm. so good. <laughs> it's really good. It doesn't lead to much, but it's cool at the end. It's basically this little alien from like the Silver Age, I think. I could be wrong about that. It could even be more recent. But he um comes to Earth, becomes a giant monster break but basically destroys parts of new york mr fantastic finds them brings them in uh puts uses uh the pim particles Mantman, to shrink mm-hmm. them down and try to communicate this alien was sent to earth doesn't know why so mr fantastic is like all right we gotta send this guy back he didn't mean to do what he was trying to do so sends him back to earth you get these memories of gog where on his planet or sends him back to another planet sorry on gog's planet uh, he was the pet of a little boy that he loved. They would play fetch, they'd sleep in the same bed, they would walk together, they, they loved each other so much. But one day, Krypton-style, the planet was 
basically going to end, just get destroyed. So uh, they just had some ships to send some people to safety. And the sun ship, instead of sending the sun, they sent the pet. So the sun was like, I want you to live. I will die with this planet. So sent the pet to uh, Earth. It's basically Krypton. It's basically Superman's origin story. Except instead uh-huh. of becoming him uh, uh, so like, When you're describing this, I'm like, this sounds very familiar. <laughs> yeah, it's basically just like a Krypton reference. Like, oh, planet is being destroyed. Ship gets sent out to Earth. Except instead of a hero, it's this giant monster that Mr. Fantastic helped. So Mr. Fantastic, not knowing this planet blew up, just sent it to its last known coordinates and sent the alien back to that area. The planet did not blow up, turns out, but it's in Civil War now. So God gets to this planet, this little pet, and he sees the whole planet is at war. And there's like half the planet is destroyed in the end, but it's not blown up. And it's been years have passed since he wasn't on Earth very long. But in this planet, it's been years. And he starts to run around and goes to his old home and it's like destroyed. And he's really freaking out. And he sees this, his uh, owner, like the son who sent him to Earth. And he's more of an adult now. And he's a soldier. And he's fighting. And he he turns around and Gog starts like kind of signaling like, hey, I'm back. And he's all happy. And the owner turns around and goes like, Gog? And then he gets shot in the face. And his head actually blows up right in front of this alien. And Jeez. so his body falls to the ground. And Gog doesn't know what to do. So he just sits down and he sleeps. He like lays down next to him just like shaking like a like a dog yeah, practically and it goes over it's this really cool nine panel layout where it goes over like how days are passing how there's people dying left and right on the battlefield and they're not noticing because it just looks like a new not another body as gog just lays mm. with its owner's dead body and then basically the war kind of ends in this area and this woman comes and sees gog and I can't. This was a previous issue, so this was before quarantine <laughs> that these issues uh-huh. came out. But she ends up like sending Gog back to Earth for whatever reason, and mm. to like hide these relics. There's, the whole war was happening because of these relics, and gives them to Gog and kind of commands him like, "Go hide these in a place like, I need you to hide these relics." And then she gets shot, so Gog takes the relics and he runs, doesn't know where to go, so he takes a ship and goes back to the Fantastic Four, like back to Earth. As soon as he gets there at the Fantastic Four, they're off. They're out doing a mission, so they're not home. So he just hides them himself in New York City. Um, now we go to now, where because they find out he he became so big on Earth because of the atmosphere. It's kind of like how Superman doesn't have powers in Krypton, but he does on Earth. Here he just grows, so he mm-hmm. grows really big by accident, and he starts to panic. So he starts destroying New York, and that's where Spider-Man finally comes in and starts to help out. So Spider-Man and his roommate Boomerang, who's kind of trying to be a hero they try to get rid of gog they find out that gog is actually just innocent here he doesn't mean to be destroying the city and so Mm. kingpin comes in and kingpin being the mayor of new york he orders like the military to strike gog down and spider-man comes in and he's he knows about gog i guess from the silver age when mr fantastic worked with him so he goes and he gets the pin particles to shrink gog back down and he basically like sneaks gog out of the city into his apartment and the issue Mm -hmm. ends with uh him deciding that he doesn't know gog's origin or anything but he decides that he's going to take care of this little creature who's small now he builds an inhibitor collar to put on him so make sure he doesn't grow again and uh he basically is like cool i got a pet now (laughs) like the last line of this issue is so yeah peter parker and spider-man got a house pet and thus far gotta admit it's pretty amazing and just shows him like petting this little alien it's interesting (laughs) Hmm. So yeah, that's the origin story of everyone's favorite hero, Gog. 
I mean, that that actually sounded pretty interesting, though. That actually it was, like yeah. Like, I I didn't hear about this, but if I heard that the next three issues of Spider-Man were to be a, the story of this alien from the Silver Age, I'd be like, oh, come on. <laughs> but it actually ended up being really enjoyable. And very yeah. dark, too. The whole sleeping yeah, next definitely. to the dead body for days was extremely dark. So I actually ended up liking it. I enjoyed all issues, but it does have an after credit scene. Like it says, like, to be continued. And then you flip the page and it shows a cell in a prison. Uh, like one of those like huge cell doors that's like a circle. It shows it being blown up and this purple foot stepping out. So this is the next arc of The Amazing Spider-Man. It's called Sins Rising. And it's the story of this. What was his name? The centipede guy? Uh, Kin- Kindred or something like that? Kindred, yeah. So Kindred is a villain with like giant centipedes. He was teased in an issue that I can't remember. I don't know if you can or not. But they don't show his face, but he is well recognized by other villains. So it's not like a new character. We think it's Henry Allen. Or, oops. Nope. Not Henry Allen. Henry uh, from Spider-Man. So Green Goblin's son. So we don't know for sure, but this is apparently the next big Spider-Man arc. So if you want to jump onto Spider-Man, next issue is the time to do it. Uh, it is issue 44. It's coming out. Well, it says on here it's coming in April, but <laughs> due to delays, it's probably coming out in June. So I recommend getting into Spider-Man right now. It is great at the moment. Nick Spencer is a great artist or a great writer. So if you want to jump onto Spider-Man comics, now's the time. So that's my little yeah. review of the Amazing Spider-Man issues 40 to 43. I don't know what to rate it like maybe like an eight because it was enjoyable in the end but I, in the end i would rather a spider-man story but i liked it and yeah those are the comics of the week yeah okay yeah. i was so uh wondering if you wanted to talk about uh since we got a little bit more time here what have you been reading recently and since not many comics have been out yeah so i unfortunately have not been reading as much as i'd like to i've had two trades picked out on my desk for the last few days and i keep falling asleep so early that i haven't had a great chance to read hopefully after we finish recording i mean it's starting to get a little late here but i'd like to uh, read at least a little bit um but i've been continuing on my impulse uh binge i finally got back into it yesterday um i i read uh one of my favorite issues of the series uh which i posted a little snippet from uh, issue number 46, where it's it's a chain lightning tie-in, which is a great Flash story. Um, Bart is about to go to the future and go help stop uh, Cobalt Blue. And Max thinks that before he goes to the future, he should know about Barry Allen because, you know, despite being his grandson, he knows almost nothing about him. So uh, he gives him the life story of the Flash, which is written by Iris. And it's like a kind of like a biography of Barry. So he could, you know, know some stuff before he goes. And okay. Bart starts to read it, but Bart has the attention span of like, you know, a squirrel. So <laughs> he can't concentrate and he starts to imagine that he's living with Barry. And it's like a great story of like, uh, you know, what Barry's like in Bart's mind. So uh, he's like this really cool, you know, uncle father type figure that, you know, is very supportive of Bart. And like, you know, they take down the rogues and then they take down the reverse flash and they're just teaming up and, and like Bart is like, no, we need a plan, and Barry's like, this is why, this is why you're such a smart, uh, smart hero, grandson. So it's, <laughs> it's like a nice little issue, and uh, yeah, and then it ends with um, Bart handing the book back, and uh, Max asks him like, oh, how did it go? And uh, you know, Bart is like, you know, I learned so much, and uh, you know, I can't wait to meet him. So it's like a great little tie-in that 
is kind of underappreciated. It's never like collected with any of the chain lightning stuff because it's not really a direct tie-in. But it, it's a really nice issue, and you know, reading that reminded me like, yeah, this is you know what impulse is all about, and I got to continue on with my binge. So I'm like, a, 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 I'm actually probably just about at halfway of the series because it ends at issue ninety, and I was on forty six, so okay. a, a little over halfway, I guess. But uh, yeah, I've, I've really been enjoying it, and I can't wait to keep powering through. Um, as for the two trades I had picked out, I had um, the 60. I, I bought a book. I think I told you about it. Uh, 1602. It's by Neil Gaiman. It's right. about what if the Marvel Universe was set in 1602? So the X Men are treated like witches and all that. And you know, I, I just watched the uh, the movie The Witch, the one that is written like the oh, witch. What I and, just uh, watched that. Yeah, I, I just saw it on. Um, Canadian Netflix, actually. So, I literally just I, watched I, that. I, I, I have a, I have a VPN, so I you know I sometimes switch the country's Netflix. That's a tip to anyone who's got a VPN, by the way. Uh, you could switch whichever country you're in to a different country, and they have different Netflix movies, which is really cool. Canadian Netflix has a lot of stuff. Yeah. So uh, so I switched to that, and I watched The Witch, and I was like, okay, this is cool. Uh, you know, let me watch. Uh, let me let me look for this book now because I'd heard of it for a while. Neil Gaiman's a great writer from Sandman and all that, so uh, thought it'd be interesting. I haven't gotten around to it yet, but I really want to start it. It's uh, calling my name, so it'll be interesting to see the Marvel Universe in sixteen oh two. Yeah. Um, and then the other trade I have picked out is Gideon Falls, which is the, uh, an Image Comics one by Jeff Lemire, who wrote Green Arrow and the New Fifty Two. Nice. And uh, he's he's like a big indie writer, and I'm very interested in getting into it. I have absolutely no clue what it's about but comic savior caleb uh always raves about it so i'm very excited to try it out and it's only like six issues so i'm sure i'll blast through it so that's what i have been reading and what i hopefully will be reading within the next week okay cool i've been uh just on that daredevil binge at the moment yeah <laughs> trying yeah, to tell, tell me about that it seems fun yeah i've been i've decided um that well i realized that i because of this podcast and even before so i read comic books every single week especially wednesdays and once they were kind of canceled in march or delayed i felt like what the heck do i do now <laughs> once it comes around the corner i'm used to going to the comic store right away and then like reading them throughout the day i'm like what do i do so i decided some to do something that i don't do often is shop online i usually like to hunt comics in person and geez, that that's so much easier than in person. It, it, it's it's a rabbit hole, trust me. Oh my yeah, god! When I, I pref- when I discovered the cheap comics on eBay, oh my goodness. Yeah. So unfortunately, I spent some money. <laughs> so I was just like, oh, what do I buy? I mean, everything's available, kind of. So I decided um, I kind of want to read as many Daredevil comics as I can. So I did a ton of research, and I made a post about. It. I made a reading order that you could check on my account, Call of a Hunter, on Instagram. So I did a lot of research to find exactly what Daredevil comics are important to the lore of Daredevil. What just kind of filler, what can be skipped, which like never brought up and stuff like that. And I kind of narrowed it down to about 10 runs in the end. You need to kind of do mm-hmm. a nine. So the first one being like Stan Lee's run. You don't need that. It's just cool to have there. It is collected in an omnibus that's $100. Uh, it has. It's just Stan Lee's entire Daredevil run in the end. Uh, the cover is by Alex Ross, so it's that one there. So I bought that to kind of start off. I didn't read it. I read, like, the first few issues, and like, well, this is definitely Golden Age or, like, Silver Age. So, yeah, Silver Age. Yeah, so I was like, yep, that this exists. So it's cool to have, but, I mean, in the end, it's very... If you like exclamation points, you would love this and a lot of uh, naming what you're going to do before you do it. So... Uh, 
There's enemies here. Maybe I could sneak around and get them from behind. Daredevil, don't yell that. So, uh, so it's <laughs> I, I, like one, I like the one you posted about the uh, costume where uh, Spider-Man's like, you look better in yellow, exclamation point. And Daredevil's like, well, I like the red, exclamation point. And it's yeah. Like, why, why does that have that? It's like, well, this is I mean, it's very Stanley. It is, yeah. Which is nice. I mean, it's classic. I'm not saying it's bad. It's just, it's extremely cheesy in a way. A lot of announcing who they are, like Karen Page, or I guess Karen Page was in that, but just Matt does not like Foggy in this too. Like, Foggy Nelson, I know they're they're not the greatest friendship. They say they're best friends, but in the end, every Daredevil comic I've read involving the two, they're always kind of, like, annoyed with each other, for the most part. So, uh, in this run, a lot of times, every single time they see each other, they have to introduce who they are, even if they're alone in the room. <laughs> so, it's like, Foggy Nelson, my best friend and partner. Hello, hello, Matthew Murdoch, my best friend that was blind, and also my partner. It's like, all right, we get it. So after that, it, you go, it's it's very it's very remnant of uh, Ben saying Ursa, my wife. Yeah, very much, but except every second page. So, nice. Uh, you you kind of get that cheesy feeling for the next two runs after that, and then he gets a Frank Miller's run. And Frank Miller turned this around. Frank Miller made Daredevil dark. He made him the character he is today. He made him go out at night and sit in the middle of the daytime. He made him have difficulties, struggles during his personal life and his real and his daredevil life. It gave him struggles. There's a whole story arc that I read just last night in the first volume where Bullseye escapes from jail. No one knows where he is, but Bullseye escaped because he went kind of crazy because he had a tumor in his brain. And one of the effects of this is hallucinations. So he goes to Times Square. And he kind of blinks, and all of a sudden, everyone in Times Square looks like Daredevil. So he starts killing everyone he sees. He goes on this mass murdering streak, which is something Stanley would not write. <laughs> uh, it's it's a little different, so it makes it, it makes the story a lot darker. So I collected all of Frank Miller's Daredevil uh, run, his entire run, which is collected in three trades at the moment, as well as Bennis's run, which you helped me find. Uh, so I got volume one, two, and three ordered. Two arrived. I'm still waiting on three. You were able to find one for me, so thank you again. Yeah, yeah, it's it's sent out. I mean, I don't know when it's gonna arrive. Yeah, no uh, rush. But it, it's it's in it's in transit right now, so hopefully it gets there soon. Yeah. So it's no rush in the end. But yeah, that's what I'm doing right now. I'm kind of working my way up to Zdarsky. Uh, I during my research though, which I found interesting, you might too. I was going on subreddits and discussion threads and just websites in general. A lot of people. Usually, like, Bendis' Daredevil run is considered the best run. That's what I found most people are saying. But a lot of them are saying that Zdarsky might be writing the best Daredevil run ever made at the moment. Which is wow. interesting. I and mean, that's, that's, from, like, that's certainly a bold claim to a character who's had such great writing throughout his career. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think... I, I still think it's too soon to tell on Zdarsky. And this is coming from someone who absolutely loves his run. But I think, you know, you kind of let got to let the dust settle a little bit. But I think he's has the potential to write one of the greatest, if not the greatest daredevil runs of all time from exactly. the start he's had. Like, like I mentioned last time we read one of his issues and God, do I miss his issues? But, um, you know, he hasn't written a bad issue yet. You know, no. normally when it comes to a comic, you'll get great arcs and then you'll get a stinker of an issue. And then, you know, or you'll get a, a mediocre arc. arc. We've gotten nothing but bangers of arcs and issues. I mean, it's been firing on all cylinders. So, at some point, he's got to come back down from Earth, maybe, or maybe he's just going to keep doing great. Who knows? Yeah. We don't know how long he's going to be on this run. Bendis was on his run, which is supposedly the best run, for about, I think, six years. It could be five years, but I'm pretty sure it's six. 
So he wrote Daredevil for a long time, and I believe they were like bi-weekly issues at this time, not monthly. Uh, Zdarsky it, was it, just it, coming it's up on very, one it, It's very weird that it's not exactly uh, bi-weekly. Bi it's instead of 24 issues a year, 12 issues a year, he's been doing like 18 issues a year, so... Yeah, it's kind of in the middle. They they seem like Daredevil issues come out when they're ready. <laughs> All Marvel comics, yeah, actually. Yeah, it's, it's 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 never like, you know, a pattern. It's kind of just like this Wednesday, Daredevil's coming out. Okay, got it. Yeah, and then at the end of the issue, it'd be like, oh, next one's coming out in five weeks. Or this one's coming out in two weeks. Or it's one yeah. time for even, like, Spider-Man, where it's like, this one's coming out next week. So, yeah, it's very odd, but, you know, it's fine. But a lot of people, these are from people that have read all Daredevil, are saying like Zdarsky might be writing the best Daredevil run rate at the moment. We just gotta. Like, yeah, I mean that, that, that that's years. really cool for people to say so quickly, and I, you know, I definitely agree that he's definitely already making a name for himself. Um, I'm actually really excited to reread Bendis' run because of you collecting it. I bought book one, and I'm gonna buy book two and three when I can find decent price for them. So mm -hmm. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm excited to. Uh, reread Bendis' run and I and I, because of that it's probably going to make me want to read fully for the first time Brubaker's run I read some of it but not enough to really get a full picture so yeah I'm the same way he takes place right after Bendis's it both are pretty dark too as far as I know so I'm excited to go through that as well um yeah I mean I, yeah I feel like Brubaker's known for like breaking him the most I mean I feel like every writer kind of breaks him but yeah um, I feel like yeah, I, 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 I gotta get that. like I, I I gotta get all the trades of uh of you know Kevin Smith and then uh, Bendis and then Brubaker. I gotta get it all. I gotta get my shelf full of Daredevil. Yeah, I mean um, Loeb uh, is one trade and Kevin Smith is one trade too. So those are pretty simple to come by. Those yeah, I, it, it's well. funny. Some, somebody said that uh, I forget where I read this, but somebody was like, "It's crazy that Zdarsky's Daredevil run is as good as it is because he's really not doing anything different than other Daredevil writers, right? Like he's, you know, maybe he's diving a little bit more into the addiction side of Matt Murdock, but he's kind of just doing, you know, the broken Daredevil, the city against him, the you know, things are out of his control when it comes to the police or the government, like." It's very Daredevil-esque, you know, just in general. Like, it's not pushing the button, but it works so well. It works. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. You, no, you're absolutely right. And I like it a lot. Especially, like, going... Like, I was reading Zdarsky's run, and then I jumped into Kevin Smith's, and now I'm right on to Frank Miller's. I'm going back more, back in time, pretty much. Uh, for Frank Miller's run, the city loves Daredevil. Like, there's paintings of him on the streets. Like, cops come up to Daredevil's like, Hey, can I get an autograph? My son's a big fan. Then you go to Zadarsky and they see Daredevil and like, shoot him, shoot him down. It's like, damn, yeah. what a jump. I know it's like 30 year difference, but Jesus. <laughs> so I, I'm excited to see this kind of build up to the modern day where he's kind of hated to, to the 30 years ago where he was loved just as much as Spider-Man, at least in the Marvel mm -hmm. Universe. So it's interesting. Frank Miller's run, I, I do recommend it for those listening. However, be ready just to get through the first few issues. They are important, but they're very odd. <laughs> first few issues of Frank Miller's run. It was like, you know, some writers, when they first start off, they got to kind of find their tone. That was definitely Frank Miller. The very first arc of this is Spider-Man goes blind and Daredevil needs to help him fight crime blind. And But Spider-Man doesn't that, know. I mean, that actually sounds really interesting, though. <laughs> You'd think, but Spider-Man doesn't know Daredevil's blind. And so the whole issue, he's insulting blind people. 
be like, blind people are worthless. <laughs> I'm he, I'm ruined. I'm done for life. Nobody likes a blind man. And Daredevil's like, I mean, it's it's okay. also very 80s. You got to remember, this was the time where comics were just starting to make that turn from cheesy 70s fun to dark 80s. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, there's a scene where Spider-Man's like, you don't understand, Daredevil. I'm blind. You'll never understand that. And you see Daredevil with a thought bubble. Remember thought bubbles? You don't see those in comics anymore. But the thought bubble's like a novel of them being like, actually, Spider-Man, I do understand just as much. When I was nine years old, I was blind. He goes over like his whole origin and a you, thought you, bubble. You just, you just picture you just picture Daredevil just standing on that rooftop, like thinking, like just sitting in place and blank face. And Spider Man's like, uh, Daredevil. His face is there. literally blank in this, and you have this huge thought bubble going his origin. And then you go to what Daredevil actually says. He's like, "You're right, Spider Man. Maybe I don't understand." Like, <laughs> just trying to make Peter feel better. I get that, but it's it's so eighties. But after those issues, yeah. once I would say, yeah. Mm, I would say once you they introduce you to Bullseye, it gets better. Or maybe when Electric gets introduced, that's when they really start to go. Like it's a really good run once that starts. So yeah, just gotta get through those. Uh, real quick, other issues I bought. Uh, I we started a comic account. It was JD's idea called the Comic Hunters, where we post our comic collections, things that we're proud of that we own due to comics. Uh, it's really cool. It's run by four of us, and one of a lot of the posts so far that I haven't been posting are like these first appearances and signed issues and stuff. I'm like, damn, I should get into this, which I did. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I talked to the guys and we they were showing me a website where you could buy like um, rare comic books called mycomicshop.com. And I've never shopped on this before. An- an- but... Another rabbit hole of a website, by the way. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, thanks a lot. Uh, so I'm like, man, I want to own like a, like a rare issue. What do I do? So I went with a... A fairly cheap one. Uh, it wasn't that expensive. I won't say the price here, of course, but uh, it was the very first Marvel one-shot. It's just called Marvel Comics Number 1. So it was the first one-shot in comics, which comics do all the time. It's like an annual. So it's the very first annual. So all it is, it was Stanley's idea to try something new and showing big stories before for like people that missed it. So this is the second printing of Daredevil ever. And there's a few other minor stories in here, but... It's going to be cool to have. I mean, the first one shot ever. So I ordered that. And then afterwards, I was just like, cool, I'm going to have a kind of a rare comic. The first of a one shot. That's kind of neat. But what about first appearances? <laughs> so I started looking more into it. A first appearances for characters. I'm like, oh, what's the first appearance of Nightwing? Yikes, that's expensive. What's the appearance, first appearance of this character? <laughs> wow, never mind. Until I narrowed it down to one that was under a million dollars. And a character that I like to, I don't want to own like the first appearance of Hawkeye because I don't really read Hawkeye. So I narrowed down to my favorite villain, the first appearance of Black Manta. So I was looking at all of these. There's some of them that are like over $2,000 because they're in like mint condition. But one yep. of so they go over like it's like 1.5 to 10 to 10, I guess, of like rating of how well the issue is. So if it's like a 1.5, that means it's missing pages. There's coffee yeah, stains the, the, on the it. 1.5 could be used as toilet paper. The uh, 10 should be displayed on a wall. <laughs> Basically, yeah. So, due to budget reasons, I narrowed it down to a 4.5, I think. Maybe it was a 4. I'm pretty sure it was a 4.5. Which, they show pictures. They they show pictures. It's, like, in a frame already, so it's not been open. Well, I guess it has been open when it was first it's, read. It's, CG, it's CGC, so it's in the plas- plastic slab, right? Yeah, it's not open anymore, basically. So... No wrinkles, as far as I could tell. Uh, the front and back page are attached. All the pages are apparently attached. So 
I went with that one, and I ordered it the other day, and I look forward to it arriving. Oh, oh you got it? Yeah, yesterday. <laughs> oh, you didn't tell me. Oh, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, so yesterday oh, wow. I decided to. Yeah. Congrats. So, I, expe- I expect a post on the Comic Hunters, but congrats. Wow, I that's will. crazy. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I thought about it for a long time, because I'm like, do I, don't I? But uh, yesterday, it was actually my birthday, so I'm like, yeah. I, and I and I actually remembered. You did. <laughs> so thank you. So, uh, yeah, I decided, like, after a few weeks of thinking, I was like, okay, I'll do it. I, I just kind of thought about it every day since looking at it. Man, that, that website's wow. like, it puts you in, like, a mind trap. I'm like, do I? Oh, do it's I? it's so bad because I look up stuff all the time and I'm like, maybe I could afford a month's rent into comics. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's you know, I, I've talked about this a little bit on my account and I've definitely talked about it with Hunter. Uh, Flash 110 is my dream comic to own. It's the first appearance of Wally West and Weather Wizard, which is not really why I want the issue. <laughs> you know, everyone wants the first appearance of Weather Wizard. Yeah. Um, but it's the first appearance of Wally West. And, you know, obviously the character means so much to me. So it'd be really cool to have, especially because I had the first appearance of Nightwing, putting them side by side would be cool. But this is an oh, issue from cool. 1959, so it's not an easy one to get. I mean, it's a really old comic. So, you know, trying trying to figure out how to get that has been on my mind for basically like the last two years. Two and I've years? figured out that I, that I that I yeah, yeah, I'm 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 very hesitant. <laughs> yeah. It's and it's and it's gained value since I've been waiting. Like I used to be able to get like a five point five for like five hundred bucks. Now it's like a four point for five hundred bucks. But anyway, um, so I I really want this book eventually, and I will get it. May, hopefully, maybe this year. I mean, we'll see. Maybe this. But uh, I decided that I want a, C- a CGC copy because you know, when, when you buy something that's not verified of what it is, then you're really kind of rolling your dice, especially online. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, all right, I need to get it in the slab. But getting a book that old is so expensive. I mean, I the highest uh, graded copy I've ever seen is an 8.0, and that's going for like four grand. So I'm like, okay, well. No, Can't that's more that. expensive than my car. But <laughs> um, I, I'm like, okay, I think I could do like a 4.5, maybe a 5, maybe a 5.5 if I could find a really good deal and make, like, make a good offer. So is it um, that, I'm, like, I'm, is, I'm in the midst of the hunt for that. Yeah, I mean, is it that much of a difference between 5.5 and 4.5? Uh, no, ultimately no. I, basically, I want to get it where the cover is really intact because that's what's on display. That's what I was doing. So if yeah. the insides are a little messed up or if the back cover is a little messed up, that's fine by me. As long as the inside cover is cool, or the sorry, the cover is cool. So like, I found one that was like, uh, I think it was like a five but like, the cover had like a huge red drop on it, and I'm like, oh man, like that sticks out. So you know, I got to try to find a copy that you know meets my criteria and meets my price range, and then pull the trigger on it. But I really want to get it, and I of course will post all about it when I eventually do get it. Yep. But yeah, it's, it's my uh, it's it's my dream comics. So oh yeah, that dream become reality. But you getting the Black Manta one just kind of pushed me. Like, damn, I gotta get on my game. I mean, yeah, that <laughs> Wally West is your favorite hero. Black Manta is my favorite villain. My favorite hero yeah. would be like Batman, Daredevil, Superman. I'm not gonna get those first appearances. No, anytime soon. But the, the Black Manta one's probably gonna be a pretty good pick, though, given that he's gonna be the main villain of the second movie. That you know that one I, might rise in value. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, it's definitely gonna rise in value because of that. I feel like it rises in value just because of Aquaman one. So it yeah. is. It is like the first printing, though. It's uh, Aquaman issue thirty-five from nineteen sixty-two. So it is also quite old, but I will be happy to frame it upon my wall once it arrives in I think three weeks. I said, so 
Yeah, forever waiting. Yeah, and and those two comics are your the Marvel one shot and the Black Manta one are your first two CGC comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, this Flash one ten would be my first CGC comic. I do not own any CGC comics. I've always wanted to own one. I think it's cool that it's like, like in the slab like that. And it's yeah, got, how do you like, get you know, it like that? Forever. Do you know? Uh, CGC grading is like the most overcomplicated and confusing process of all time. Essentially, you have to send out the book in the mail to the CGC graders. They keep it for a few weeks. They have three different inspectors go through it and give it a grade. They put it in the plastic slab with the grade and send it back to you. Now, the cost of it is really weird. Essentially, it depends on what the value of the book is. Mm-hmm. Which is very bizarre to me, like yeah, it's kind of subjective. So it's it's a weird process that I don't know that I would ever want to go through. Because um, you had the but, first appearance yeah, of Deathstroke, right? I know I have the first appearance of Deathstroke. I have the first appearance of Nightwing, and they're both really nice copies. But going through the CGC just seems like so much work. Like it's just easier to just buy the books already done in the CGC. I, I've I seen <laughs> some people do it, like at a con. You could have like give oh. the book to the CGC people at a con. I don't know. that. I, I think that they kind of just take it from there and then they mail it back to you, but you pay for it all there and like you don't have to mail it out. Because to me, that would be the biggest worry. Like I'm taking a book that's worth a few hundred dollars and just putting it in the mail. You know, what if some mailman accidentally bends it? Like it's horrifying. Yeah, and even with your first appearance of Deathstroke and Nightwing, those are two major characters. If it's as good as you think, it could be worth a thousand. Over. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So... <laughs> I guess you'll yeah. never know. So, so uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. I, I think, you know, maybe one day I could get a book CGC'd. But Do it's also like, like you need a membership into the CGC. Like, it's, it's such a weird process. Like, I'm on their email list. They're like, oh, you could have uh, this percent off of getting a membership. So if somebody's listening right now, I don't know if anybody's still listening after an hour, 21 minutes. <laughs> if you <laughs> are, hello. If, if, any, if, any, if anybody's listening right now that knows, you know, a lot about CGC, please feel free to DM me and enlighten me because I'd love to learn more. But from the people that I've talked to about it on Instagram, pretty much everyone's confused by it. So, I mean, yeah, there, there's a few it. books that, you know, would probably be worthwhile CGCing. I mean, who knows? Punchline might end up being a uh, $1,000 comic one day. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Even like the first appearance of the other Batman villain with the mask with the letter that I can't think of. Oh, I'm I'm actually nervous about getting a copy of Batman number 92. Normally, I would be able to go into the shop and just, you know, go in right as it opens to get my copy. But now that I got to order through email, I hope I can get a copy. Yeah. I know that one's going to sell out for sure. Yeah. I mean, in the end, Punchline's first appearance might not be. I feel like it will be because she's already so popular and she's had like two lines. The 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 book is already Batman 89 is selling for like 90 bucks. And what? Um, w- w- what is the other one? Uh, something number three. Um, Annual. W- what is it? Oh, uh, Hell's Horizon. Hell's Horizon. Hell's Horizon number three is her first full appearance, which I didn't buy. Because I, I wasn't did. reading Hell's Horizon. God, I wish I did. That's another one that's going for like 80, 85 bucks. Wow. Because like I have the first appearance of Grail, Darkseid's daughter, and it's only like $90, $90 worth $90. And it came out uh, in 2016 or 2015, there, I believe. There's something about Batman that just sells like hotcakes and especially the Joker that sells so, like yeah. hotcakes. So Punchline is really hot right now. And I think that book could continue to get hotter. But yeah, that, that one is like... Those two issues are already worth, you know, almost 200 bucks combined, which is insane. Yeah, because I was looking at my comics while well, on my comic shop.com. Like, what is the ones I have that are worth the most? 
And those comics are like in the top 10. And they came out, like I bought those for two bucks this very year in my comics. Yeah. It's insane. And even some of them that I don't expect to be worth that much are worth that much. Like I have the first edition of Batman Damned. <laughs> like the first uh, the, printing the, well the, well that's because the batwang that one's worth money <laughs> yeah so i was but still i was like oh damn that is worth a lot <laughs> batman damn that is worth a lot <laughs> so, yeah <laughs> uh but even then like action comics a thousand is already getting some good traction i feel like that will be worth so much in like 10 years from now so yeah especially like, mine signed by jim lee which i'm very proud of so i i expect that'll be worth a lot coming down but First appearance says you gotta get those, unless it's Grail apparently. <laughs> get those yeah, first appearances. Yeah, I, I actually expected uh, Godspeed's first appearance to be worth more. I looked it up the other day; it's not really worth that much to get oh, like, really? Flash Rebirth. Because, uh, well, here, here's the thing with like modern first appearances: it's never just like your first appearance is your first appearance; it's your first cameo appearance versus your first full appearance. So, like, he cameos in Flash Rebirth number one. He's in like a vision, but he doesn't fully appear until Flash Rebirth number three, which is like kind of cheating like why is it two different issues same thing with punchline right the yeah. first cameo appearance is in 89 the first full appearance is in hell's horizon 3 so and hell's it's horizon like, it's it's more of like uh she's barely in it <laughs> yeah i don't think she has a single yeah line. Well, well 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 they're really stretching the punchline one because it's her first cameo is in batman number 89 her first full appearance is in batman uh hell's horizon number three her her origin is in the joker 80th anniversary edition that's like buy all three issues now I mean, and it's like, I don't even want the Joker's uh, 80th anniversary, but is it going to be worth a lot of money one day? I'm like, ah. I'll buy it. Yeah, because of that, I'll buy it. Yeah. And I feel like, I think Scott Snyder's doing Joker story, and I, I do like his Joker a lot. Say what you want about Snyder. Yeah. I think he writes a good Joker. So, I mean, <laughs> for his appearances, you got to get those. Especially, I, I don't like when they're doing the punchline thing where, oh, she's in this, she's in that, she's in this. What's her full first appearance? We don't know. For like Black Manta, it's one issue. Boom, that's what he appears yeah. in. You don't get like visions to this character or anything like that, like Godspeed had. So hopefully the next yeah. big character that comes around just appears. I don't think Paradox's first appearance is worth much at the moment. I mean, I yeah, well, well, even Paradox is a weird one because he technically has a cameo appearance of when he's just a man in Flash Year One. Oh, right. Yeah, so... <laughs> so you know, th- that's the thing about a lot of first appearances. When when DC or Marvel think a character is, is going to be hot, they kind of try to spread the issues to try to spread sales, which, I mean, I get from a business standpoint, but it's annoying where it's like, oh, my God, I can't get this issue because everyone's trying to flip it. That's a good point. Yeah, I didn't think of it that way. Huh. Yeah. Well, go get those first appearances. If you want to read Punchline, in, like, physically, good luck at the moment. I mean, the official arc has is just starting, but... Good luck. <laughs> yeah, and that's yeah. uh that's our show. Yeah, and that's the show. So uh this has been a bit of an extended version, but it was really fun to talk about the comics at the end there. Yeah. Um if you're listening on iTunes, we appreciate a five star view or whatever you think we're worth. I hope you think we're worth five stars. If you're listening anywhere else, we appreciate a follow slash subscribe. Uh for Hero Story, I'm JD. And I'm Hunter, and thanks for being a hero. And remember, every second is a gift. Goodbye. Wow.